It's Guarding Talk back on to NURFM. Greg Richard here, joined by Scott Sharp. Scott, great to see you back in the studio once again. Thank you. It's lovely to be in here and be dry. It is very wet. I got soaked yesterday, absolutely drenched. Oh, it's, it's, a, it's a long walk just from the car to the house to the house to the letterbox. It's, it's, yeah, it's very wet. You need to bring the brolly with you at all times. At all times. Uh, gum boots, all that sort of stuff. <laughs> what, do you, what do you got for us today, Scott? <laughs> oh, I thought we'd talk about Sasanqua camellias, uh, cyclamen care because our heaters have been turned back on, and yep. dragon fruit. Right. Little, dragon fruit? Yeah, dragon fruit. A really cute looking little fruit. All right. Have you had dragon fruit? I've tasted it a couple of times. Not too bad. But not too bad. Yeah. Just a glowing endorsement. Always, always happy to hear people's opinion, though. Because we've got Graham from Rutherford, and he's got a question about fruit trees. Good afternoon, Graham. How can we help you? Uh, Scott, I've got um, two, fruit tre- uh, two fruit trees, a mandarin and an orange tree, and I've got them in pots. But I, I think the curl grub might be getting hurry curry. Oh, well, what, what's happening with them, Graham? Um, well, they're not. Um, they're not. Um, like they're not, should they be flowering yet? Uh, well, well, yeah, look, they, they should be. Well, they should have almost finished flowering now. Um, but well, they really, they really didn't come out in, in, in flower. Oh, um, right. Okay. So they, so you, you know, you really should have some fruit on there through the cold winter months. That's when we get out that nice, you know, freshness in our oranges yeah. uh, and mandarins. Um, you probably noticed in the shops that are all out at the moment. So uh, that's, you know, it is sort of the time when they should have fruit on the tree. Um, I, I'm just wondering, uh, are they out there getting rain? What, what sort of conditions have you got them in? Uh, it's, it's good, um, good. Uh, conditions up here, you know, like yeah. the rain and, um, you know, it's getting the sun when the sun's out. And, mate, are they in very big pots or are they in smaller pots? No, they're not in real big pots. Yeah. But I'm, I'm wondering if I could take them out. Yes. My wife gave me a bit of room in her uh, <laughs> cabin. Yes, yeah. And I was wondering, could you put them, can you put them pretty close together? Well, I mean, this is the problem. You know, people like trying to grow citrus in pots, and, and to some extent they do grow in pots. But, uh, look, really they end up turning into quite big trees if you put them into the ground, you know, three metres tall, you know, for instance, for a mandarin or an orange. So, you know, it's, it's pretty big. And, you know, they can get about the same distance, you know, in, in diameter as well in the head of the tree. So, um, you know, you need a fairly big pot to try and sustain a plant um, that big, even if you're pruning it down and keeping it quite small because... With citrus, it's very important that they, you know, they're able to get heaps of nutrient and heaps of moisture to uh, get that really nice juicy fruit on there. And it's, it is difficult for a, a citrus in a pot to, uh, you know, actually have that sort of regulatory, you know, water coming and, and moisture coming into it all the time. Uh, we go out and we hose. You know, we might wait two days, go hose again. So they're not getting that that constant drawdown or draw up of, of, of moisture and, and nutrient that they do need. So in a way, putting them in the ground is a, a good thing. Uh, as yes. to how close you can put them together, well, that really comes down to how big you want the head of the plant to get. I've always got a, a bit of a rule with citrus, uh, and, and that is to only let it, you know, the plant get you know, tall enough that you can sort of reach to the top of it almost or just, a, you know, a little bit more, a small step ladder of some sort because yeah. you need to be able to, you know, actually, uh, you know, look after the plant, uh, you know, spraying if you need to for pest and disease, uh, being able to pick the fruit off there as well because you don't want it to be dropping off, uh, you know. Yeah. Uh, so I always say that if you have a plant that's, you know, sort of you can walk around and almost reach up to the top of, 
uh, you're going to get enough fruit out of that to, to feed your uh, household and, you know, most probably the neighbours on either side and the back as well uh, because, yep. you know, they, they do get quite a lot of fruit on them. So if, if, you're, if you do need to put them together, you know, you know maybe three metres, um, you know, three to four metres apart, and then yep. you can let the head spread out on each one to a, to a couple of metres if you wanted to. Oh, yeah, right, I think. So they're certainly going to do a lot, whole lot better for you uh, if they're in the ground. Uh, you can feed them, you know, three to four times a year with some poultry manure or some other citrus food. Uh, their root system is going to be able to spread out. Uh, they're most certainly going to get more regular watering from the rain um, and from you, you know, but just generally being in the ground, they're going to do a lot better. Uh, so if you've got the space, uh, if your wife's prepared to let you uh, to plant in the garden, I'd, I'd, I'd give it a try and, uh, yeah, just keep them pruned down to a nice shape. Yeah, right on then, Scott. Okay, Thanks well, for that. Okay, and good luck with it. You, you might have curl grub in there, but if you're going to get them out of the pots, then uh, you'll find that curl grub in there. Um, look, if that's the case, curl grub, uh, you know, if you do want to keep them in the pots, you can treat them by drenching uh, down through the, uh, the pot. You need some malathon for that in a watering can and down through the pot, and that gets rid of those big curl grubs for you. Yeah, right. then. Thanks, okay. Scott. Good on you, Graham. Yeah. Thanks for the call, mate. Yeah, have a good day. You too. Bye-bye. Just Bye. flick them out the road as well. Flick them out the road. The magpies love them too. That's a Get you on their good side as well. Yeah, massive. They're not going to swerve you if you give them some curl grub. That's a massive no. feast for them. I'll remember that. Yeah, some of those curl grubs, they get like big, big, big and fat yeah. and juicy. Yeah. That's what I do, just flick them out if yeah. I see them. If we were bush tucker guys, we could get out there and eat them as well. I don't know about that. Okay, <laughs> okay we'll leave that alone. Yeah. And we've got Narelle from Fletcher, and she's got a question about gardenias. Good yes, hello, how are you? Yeah, good, Narelle. How can we help you on this wet and oh, wonderful afternoon? Okay, um, I had um, a small cutting from a gardenia Yes. Um, back in January. I planted it out the front, and I had two white blooms come out. Um, but now it seems to be tinging with the yellow and it's not growing. So I'm just wondering if it's waterlogged or... I mean, I've given it some um, power feed and sea salt, Yeah. but I'm not sure what else to do with it. So how, now, how well do you think it's been growing? Um, you said you put it in as a cutting. Uh, yes. Yeah, has it sort of you know, got itself fairly, fairly much bigger since you put it in? Oh, well, it's, um, no, it hasn't gotten any bigger. Okay. No. No. Okay, that, that, that's all right. I'd probably cut down on the fertilising a little bit with it. I've only done that the once, though. Yeah, and look, if you're going to, I'd just stick with the sea salt. It's great for the root okay. system of plants. Power feed, just the sea salt. Yeah, just stick with that at the moment. Uh, I, I would be... Sorry, say again, please. Every fortnight or... Uh, look, yeah, look, that that would be it. And even just at a half strength at the moment. Okay. Uh, yeah, don't, don't go and overload the plant too much. Any flowers or buds that gets on there... I would be going and picking those off because you want the plant to put all its energy now into its root system, into its, uh, you know, the structure above the ground, the, the green leafy growth as well. Yes. So, so why is the yellow tinge coming onto it? Is that because it is maybe waterlogged or...? I, I would not discount that at the moment at all. Uh, my cat came home the other day and it was waterlogged as well. So I think any anything can be waterlogged at the moment. Uh, especially a gardenia that you know doesn't have a tremendously big root system at the moment to cope with okay. any moisture in the ground. Okay. So uh, look, the other thing, uh, gardenias, they do you sort of yellow off a little bit um, if they are budding up because they like a lot of iron. Uh, so that might have been an issue for it. Uh, when you get into some new growth as well, 
uh, in August, they will also yellow off at that point in time. So it's important with gardenias to, ah, yeah, to once they're established, to keep on regularly feeding them. But I, I want you just to, you know, sort of pull back on that a touch and just use that uh, that half-strength sea salt just to try and improve the root system. All right, system. will do. Um, and this is a novice question, but are they a summer or a winter plant? They Well, they're, they're an all-round plant. They're an evergreen, so they won't drop their leaves. But as far as flowering goes, you'll get your best results with the gardenia from, say, August all the way through until, uh, say, April. You will get some spot flowering in winter as well with them. So they're a pretty Which good... I have found already. Yeah, they're a very versatile plant, but you yeah. don't want it flowering at the moment. Look, the only, the only oh, other I... thing I would say to you, if you are going to... Um, you know, take any further cuttings, you, you're probably best to actually do them in a pot. Uh, so take your cuttings and, and do them in a pot where you can regulate the watering a little bit more uh, and you can keep an eye on it as well and that you can pop it out of the pot if you need to and see how the root system's spreading out. So you're saying that I can actually cut a little bit off what I've already got and put it in a pot? Well, look, I, I, depending on how big and established it is, if you think you can take a little bit off... It's about it's, a metre high. Oh, so it's quite a big cutting you took in the yes. end. Ah, OK. So w- when you're taking cuttings, most people only take a, a you know much smaller amount, you know, say, mm. you know, three to four inches. Yeah, um, no, from, about a metre now. Oh, okay. So it, it probably is going to be struggling as a cutting to try and get its root system spread out. You know, it, it might be worth, uh, you know, taking some smaller cuttings, uh, you know, three to four inches uh, and trying them in, in a pot. Uh-huh. And just, uh, you know, keeping an eye on those, you'll be able to regulate the watering a little bit better. Probably yep. going to reduce the stress on the large cutting you've got as well. So, yeah, taking, a, saying, yeah. Yeah, taking a big cutting like that's probably not the best thing to do. You would have been best to, you know, almost split that in four or five, uh, oh, you know, really? parts. Yeah, and uh, just taking where there's a little green shoot, a little bud coming out. Yeah, and uh, I don't have any buds at this time, okay. but... I just didn't know whether I was doing the right thing or, you know, seesawing too much or power feeding too much. But I, I take on board with what you're saying. Yeah. So I think I might just let it go and just maybe, um, like, prune. Would yeah. you say prune a little bit? Yes, just take a little bit off down to if you can find where a little bud, a little green bud might be starting to sp- you know sprout out. That's where you'd prune it back down to. All right. But it, bl- it might be worth just doing that and then leaving well enough alone and seeing okay. what happens. Yeah. Okay, thank you very much. Okay, thanks for the call, Narelle. Okay, thank you. Bye. We've got Coralie now from Dowie, and she's got a question about orchids. Good afternoon, Coralie. How can we help you? Hi, Scott. Um, yes, is it time to... Can I divide them now? Well, look, not at the moment. Most orchids, the cymbidium orchids, will be coming out in flower. Uh, at the moment, you'll have you know some of the lighter-coloured ones coming out and then the, the darker sort of burgundy ones coming out in flower as we go further into the season. So uh, splitting your orchids, no, not the time to do it at the moment. Uh, you are really best to do that around, uh, you know, August or September. Uh, okay. And that, that's when you go and, and split the orchids. Look, the old rule of thumb is as well, you don't really need to split the orchid unless it's, you know, quite choked out and pushing the pot um, uh, because they like to be nice and full and tight in the pot. And so once they get to that stage, that's when you'd go and, uh, you know, split them up. You use a nice sharp knife. Uh, cut those, uh, you know, those orchids down through the middle. Uh, you might, you know, if you've got, say, an eight-inch pot, a 200-mil pot, you might get three plants out of that um, just yeah. by, by cutting that into, into three and putting it back into a, a really high-quality orchid mix. I've got, I've got two, two in pots, and one, they're just, they're just brown orchids. They're not beautiful. Well, they are beautiful, but, and one of them's 
um, under an awning, and yes. half of it's like you can see, not see the bulb, but where where the um, it's just brown, like there's not no green bits coming out of it anymore. But on some of them, there's, there's a white powdery. I can see on the on the um, like, like the bulb. Okay, well, look, that that could be some sort of uh, fungal disease, a mildew that it, it might have on yeah. there, depending okay. on how much watering. So you'd need to get a fungicide of, of some type and treat that. I don't, I don't water it very often. Okay, okay. Well, and look, the other thing, they can get mealy bug as well. And mealy bug manifests itself as like a little white powder. And some people, you know, it's, it's very easily confused with a, a fungal disease. So mm-hmm. to, to try and test that, uh, if you look down into the, like into the crevice of the, the strappy leaf, sometimes you, if you're looking further down in there by pulling it apart ever so gently, you can see the little mealy bug, like a little bit of cotton wool lurking around down in there. And that's the mm-hmm. way you test for that to see if you might have mealy bug or if it is a fungal disease that you've got on there. Also, Unfortunately, also you have to treat are, them differently. Also, they are getting on the leaves like yellow bits, like a spotty bit on the green part. Right. Uh, look, w- without seeing it, that's probably a little bit difficult. Yeah. But it, it, again, that could be mealy bug. Uh, okay. Yeah, if the the you know little mealy bug sort of crawls around at night, that's why you don't see them too yeah. often. They leave their sort of white trail behind. They're a little sap sucking insect, uh, and they do a lot of damage. So you could have some yellowing because of the mealy bug. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Orchids can get uh, you know like bacterial disease, fungal disease, where they get little black spots on them as well. Uh, uh, so, but you're not describing that. You're describing more of a yellowing. So, yeah. Uh, look, yeah. I, I'd uh, have a look down in the crevice of the the strappy leaf, see if you can see any mealybug uh, activity down there, or otherwise, uh, if you can't find that treat with a fungicide. All right. Okay. Okay. Thank you very much, Carly. Thanks, Scott. Okay. Bye. Bye bye now. We've got Shirley from Salamander Bay, and she's got another question about gardenias. Good night, it's gardenia day. Shirley, how can we help you? Oh yes, thank you, Scott. Um, my mother-in-law's got a beautiful gardenia in a pot and it's full of bud and when I was listening before you mentioned to remove the buds Oh, look, I was only talking about that because uh, the the plant that we were talking about was just a a cutting uh, and it didn't have an established root system Uh, but if you've got a a nice, uh, you know, plant that's been growing for some time um, don't listen to what I said before. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, you've you, you misheard me there. You've misheard me now. Look, it, yeah, okay. look, there's no reason to remove buds on a, on a properly and fully growing uh, gardenia. I don't think she would have let me do it either. <laughs> and good and don't. Beautiful. They're beautiful coming out. And right. it does have a few yellow leaves, so it just needs a bit of fertiliser, you feel. It, it, it does need that. Uh, and that is because it's budding up. They're very high in iron use when they're budding up mm-hmm. and when they're getting some new growth on them. So... Uh, I think the best thing with gardenias is, is regular fertilising rather than you see it yellow off and, uh, you know, then you go and give it some fertiliser. And I, I sort of liken it to, you know, like a car sort of starting off and it spins its wheels and it's scrabbling for, for grip. And that's what happens with the gardenia. If you see it yellowing, uh, all of a sudden it's going, you're going to be trying to catch up. Those wheels are going to be scrabbling for grip. So yeah. regular feeding uh, is, is the best way to go. You know, three to four times a year. Uh-huh. Uh, you said yours or your mother-in-law's is in a pot? Yes, it's uh, it's. It's about oh, four foot high, the plant, yeah. uh, in a big pot out the front, so it gets all the elements of the 
wind and rain. And okay, so yeah. in a pot, uh, look, there's slow release fertilizers that you can you know use throughout the year, three to four times, and there's also specific liquid. Uh, gardenia fertilizers as well uh, that are going to promote the the flowering of the plant uh, and they gardenia is like slightly acidic soil so if you can get those specific gardenia uh, azalea fertilizers a very good thing and a very safe way to fertilize your plant okay thank you very much for that okay, i'm glad we cleared it up <laughs> okay she wouldn't have let me take a butt off i'm telling you that right now <laughs> thank you for Thanks the call very much scott see you bye shelly bye we got Kelly from Shortland, and she's got a Eureka lemon that's dropped all of its leaves and fruit. I like the way you said Eureka then. It Eureka. Was Eureka. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly, what's happening? Well, it's like 20 years old, and it's delivered its beautiful fruit for the last 20 years, and this year it's just dropped all its leaves and all its fruit. Okay, and it is a big plant now, Kelly? Yes, it's quite big yeah yeah look i wonder if it might be time for a prune back of the plant uh the other reason i like pruning back lemons is because they do get quite big uh and all the fruit yep. goes up the top uh, then it just you know ripens up there you can't reach it it drops down to the ground you get fruit fly and right. just into this endless cycle i think giving a a citrus a, a really good hard prune is not a bad thing at all to do yeah uh, promotes nice you know fresh growth uh, you know, you might not get quite as much, you know, flowering and fruit off it for that season, but, uh, you know, it, it is a good thing in the long run to do. Once a plant gets like, you know, that old, 20 years old, uh, like us yeah. all, they get a little yeah. bit, uh, you know, cracked and broken down in, in places and parts. You know, their, their bark can get cracked and old. And, uh, yeah. So yeah. We were wondering whether or not it was, had too much water. Yeah. Uh, could be a problem at the moment, depending on the yeah. position as well. Is it down the bottom of a hill or in clay um, soils? Yeah, it's a bit clayy down there. Yeah, look, that could be a problem at the moment because uh, citrus really do like to be well-drained. Um, so, you know, if they're in clay um, soils, they will suffer, especially with the amount of rain we've got at the moment. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, look, yeah. if you want to, you can give it a, a prune back. Uh, yeah. Look with the cracked bark. If it has got you know some cracked bark, and and after you do give it a prune back, in fact, there's a product called Steri Prune out there. It's a sort of a tar-based uh, paint that seals up any wounds on the plant. Uh, right. So okay. it's, it's I think it's important to to get some of that product and and give it a bit of a paint uh, over any pruning you do, and also even just generally around the bark if it's cracked uh, because it stops any pest and disease getting in there, and especially okay. borer. Uh, yeah, yeah, once your plant yeah. gets old and the bark gets old, borer gets into citrus quite easily. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, get, do that. Make sure you're fertilising with poultry manure. They Citrus really love poultry manure. So, uh, yeah, just keep on doing that and uh, hope it dries out a touch for us. <laughs> Thank you very much, Scott. Bye-bye. Appreciate the call. Thank you, Kelly. We've got John from Bullaroo <laughs> and he's got trouble with some buffalo grass not thriving in the shade. Hello, John. How can we help? Scott, I just wondered what would be good to put on it. I realise there's not much growth this time of the year, the ground being cold. Yes. But, but probably so much water is another thing. But it's in the shade of the house next door, the sun being up north. Yep. And uh, I just wondered if there's anything you'd put on it to give it a bit of a boost. Well, I'm, I'm actually going to give you the, the, the opposite sort of advice and, and try and keep off it as much as possible. Uh, don't worry about fertilising or anything because it, it just won't 
be able to utilize any fertilizer you're putting in there. Um, oh, yeah. Buffalo becomes very dormant in winter, and if it's in the shade, uh, if you start walking all over that, or the dogs, yeah. you know, <laughs> form a, a bit tr- of traffic over. Oh yeah. dear. Um, so it might be worth you know installing some stepping stones or something in that area to try and minimize it because once you start walking on buffalo in winter, um, even in the sun, it, you will get wear tracks. And if it's in the shade, you're most certainly almost going to take it back to bare earth. So I'd be trying to, uh, you know, minimise walking and, and using that area as much as possible. Yeah. So I'm just wasting whatever I put on there just now. Yeah, look, just leave it be at the moment. No fertiliser. It just can't utilise it. Uh, you know, once something becomes dormant, there's, you know, there's no sap, you know, like if you've got a... a a deciduous tree they're just sitting there in in stasis for the season and it's the same with buffalo grass it's just sitting there waiting for the warmer months again do you think a big mirror when the sun does shine uh, if i reflect the sun from the, with a big mirror onto it would uh, that mirror do any good i think? i think that is an excellent idea how big the mirror though how big can you get the mirror <laughs> oh it's probably meter high and uh Oh, I don't know about that. You know, I was just having a bit of a joke then, you know, about the mirror, but I don't know it's actually going to help. But, yeah, I don't know that that's really going to help. Just, yeah, stay off it as much as possible is the best thing for you. Okay, thank you. Okay, good on you, John. Thanks for the call. Bye. Bye-bye. And we've got Erwin from Fullerton Cove, and he wants to know how you can grow a lychee tree. Hey, Erwin, how can we help? Um, I'm... In January, I went up to, to Bundaberg and um, and I've, I've tried lychees before out of a tin and they're not very nice. But while I was up there, I had some fresh ones and they're really quite nice. So I just wanted to know, can, are those suitable to grow around here? Well, look, I think the reason you've had a really nice one is because they are better growing uh, up in those, you know, the, the warmer regions up around, uh, you know, Queensland, tropical Queensland, because they are a tropical fruit. Um, they're actually from southern China, so you can imagine, you know, that's down near the equator. So it is quite, you know, around Hong Kong, it's, you know, quite wet and tropical down there. Um, okay. So, yeah, you can give them a try here in Newcastle, see how you go. Um, you'd need a nice, you know, warm, sunny spot, uh, perhaps one that's out of, uh, you know, the western winds as well and the, the southerlies that we get and see how you go with it. Um, so, look, it, it is entirely possible to, you know, give them a go down here. Um it looks like a self-pollinating plant, so, um, you know, like... Uh, you don't know, need... Yeah, you just need the one. grow half a dozen of them or something to, to, for them to pollinate? No, you, you just need the one. And, and I, I wonder if it's something you might be better growing in a large pot that you can move around as the seasons progress, uh, you know, so you can move it, you know, into the best position so it's out of the elements um, a little bit for you. Um, how, how would you think they'd go with, uh, as far as water, like, you know, wet feet and that sort of stuff? Well, I don't think they're going to, you know, um, be, uh, you know, disadvantaged by having wet feet. Being a tropical plant, they're, you know, quite capable of soaking that up. Uh, yeah. So, look, I, I don't think that's a, that's an issue at all. I, I think here in Newcastle, it's just more about uh, protecting a tropical plant from the, you know, those cold winds that we get. That's what really does the damage to the plant more than anything. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm sort of on the coast, and I've got a, a, a lot of other trees growing around it, so. They'd probably protect it a bit. 
Yeah, and that, that that might be a you know a good position to have it in. Uh, look, we've been talking to people today, you know, about having citrus trees in pots, and although it's possible, the plant's always going to be slightly disadvantaged. But in the case of a lychee, having that ability to be able to move it around might be you know an advantage for you. Uh, but if you have got a nice protected spot, uh, it's going to get plenty of sun. Give it a try. Next question. Yes. <laughs> Where can I buy one? Uh, look, any any good garden centre should be able to get you a lychee tree. Okay. Yep. Absolutely. You may have to water them, but uh, yeah. Look, I, I would think you do, but they're uh, you know it's not uh, uh, the tooth of a hen or anything like that. They're you know they're quite common to uh, to be able to get. I've never actually okay. tasted one myself. What what do they taste like, Irwin? What, what good do they? Question. Describe <laughs> 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 <it> actually. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I probably should give one a try, but like you said, out of the tin, you know, it's it's a bit like. Uh... Well, you can buy you can buy them fresh out of the, at the supermarket. Oh, okay, okay. Well, I'll, I'll have to give that a go. I. Uh, yeah. Well, you get both, get a tin and a fresh one, and give them yeah, give them the trial. We, yeah. we, we can we can do that together I've, next I've week. Tried do a the taste test. Ones and not nice at all. Sorry, the the tinned ones aren't very nice at all, but the. The fresh ones are okay, and and I, I guess you know we we do have tin fruit, and um, sometimes it, it's a bit sweet, isn't it? So maybe that's that's the reason it's you yeah, know always yeah. better to, to eat fresh off the tree. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks for the call, Owen. Thank you very much. Okay. Thanks, mate. Got time for a couple more calls. We have got Danny from Arcadia Vale, and she's got a question about citrus. Hello, Danny. How are you? Yeah, pretty well. What's happening with your citrus? Well, I moved into this house, and it had a lime. Uh, tree. It wasn't very big, so I don't think it's been there very long. And it had lovely lines on it. You know, I got you know maybe four or five off it to start with. Yes. And then I bought a, a lemon tree and planted it sort of you know a few meters away from that. And at the moment, the lemon tree's done absolutely nothing since I bought it. They've both got leaves that are curling and and got like bubbles. You know, they're like sort of bumps on the leaves, and they're curling. And I've sprayed it with a citrus and it's still nothing. Yeah, look, it might just be that you've had some citrus leaf miner go through, uh, you know, the area. They're just a little moth that flies around, uh, you know, back in February, March, and they lay their, their eggs. Uh, and so you can get some, you know, a lot of damage to your citrus uh, fruit around this time of year. Now, the uh, lemon that you bought, how, uh, how long have you had that in the ground now? been in the ground oh, over 12 months. Oh, okay, so quite some time. Yeah. Uh, now, is it in an area where there's grass growing around it, for instance? No. Okay. Have you been fertilising it? Um, yes, I did fertilise it originally. Yes. And I put you know, new soil around, but I haven't fertilised it for a while. Okay. What I would do is I would be start using some poultry manure on them. Uh, we are going into the you know the the season, the dormant season, I guess, for citrus at the moment, where they're not going to grow very much. So, yeah. whether you know whether you fertilise now, it, it might not be you know particularly helpful. I would once we get to the uh, you know around spring, around uh, mid August, I would go and grab a bag of poultry manure. Right. And spread half a bag around each plant, uh, around the drip line. Don't let it bunch up against the trunk of the plant. Yeah. Uh, and then just uh, water that in uh, and you will get some fantastic new growth off that plant. 
Uh, I'd also at the same time get a, a, a bag of citrus fertilizer. It's like a granular one. And you can start using that about three times a year if you want to. And uh, you could probably use the poultry manure another couple of times a year. Citrus are very oh, okay. heavy feeders. I was going to say, they like lots of um, fertilizers. They do, and they do, they do love poultry manure. So oh, use, using those fertilizers, you know, three or four times a year is going to be really important for your plants. Thank you so much for your help. Appreciate it. That's all right. Have a nice afternoon. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. 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 Oh, we've got time for one more call. We've got Ruth. Good afternoon, Ruth. How can we help you today? Hello, Ruth. Ruth. Oh, oh the birds! The birds are in the, the background. The, the, for Ruth. the birds are talking for Ruth. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, we saw that Ruth has a problem with native hibiscus. So we don't know what that is, but native hibiscus are a fairly easy plant to grow. They get, uh, you know, they're quite a large plant. Uh, the only thing, you know, they can get their leaves eaten quite a bit by uh, grubs, grasshoppers. So, uh, you know, I wonder if that might be something she's having a problem with. They do like a bit of a prune every now and again. So, uh, yeah, you can certainly do that just to encourage some new growth. But, uh, look, yeah, don't uh, don't go over fertilising native hibiscus. Really just use blood and bone or any specific native fertiliser. And hopefully Ruth might be able to get that uh, one growing just a little bit better. Right, Scott, you're up. not too long left. But before you do, you mentioned a dragon fruit. Yes, I, I did okay. mention dragon fruit. Uh, I've never tasted that one before. We must have to do a big taste test one day. We really do. We need to bring in all these exotic fruits and just uh, give them a, a whole crack here in the in the uh, in the studio. Uh, look, dra- dragon fruit is just a really really um, interesting plant to grow. It's, it's sort of got a funny shaped almost leaf, almost like a cactusy sort of thing okay. um, to it. And you get that really you know beautiful pink bright outer on the the fruit when it's ripe with the uh, the white and black seed. We might talk about it a little bit more in depth next week. As Looking forward to it. We'll do that The then. dragon fruit <laughs> next week. It's we'll starting get... talk back on 2 URFM. Scott Sharp, catch you next Monday. See you then. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.